The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. This podcast is sponsored by QS. For over 25 years, QS has been helping prospective MBA candidates make informed decisions about choosing the right business school. At our upcoming Dallas event, you can meet face-to-face with admission directors from top-ranked U.S. and international business schools, including UT Austin, SMU, Rice, IE, Hult, and many more. Find out more at topmba.com. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Walsh. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmilzer. And today we're going to be discussing weak, strong, narrow, broad, and general AI. So artificial intelligence has a broad spectrum of ability. And right now, many people try to classify AI as either weak or strong, depending on how generally intelligent we want the system to be. So the more an AI system approaches the abilities of a human with all of human intelligence, emotion, and a broad applicability of knowledge, the more strong we call it. On the other hand, the more narrow in scope, which is specific to a particular application and a particular task, the more weak it is in comparison. But do all these terms mean anything? And does it even matter whether or not we have strong or weak AI systems? Yeah, so let's get into this. Maybe one good place to start is to talk about what we mean by a strong AI system. And because it seems that whenever we see the term weak AI, it's defining everything that's not strong. So, So I think one good place to start is that there are a number of people that have defined strong as meaning broad. You could take the word strong and make that equivalent to the definition of broad AI. And that means systems that are just generally intelligent. So what does it mean by generally intelligent? The term artificial general intelligence is meant to mean intelligence of a machine that can successfully perform any intellectual task that a human can perform. So this comes down to, I think, three general areas. And one is that the ability to generalize knowledge from one domain to another. That is, that if the system has learned to perform some task that's applicable to one particular set of capabilities, generally intelligent system will be able to take that knowledge and apply it somewhere else. Okay. Another definition of the general intelligent term is the ability to make plans in the future you know, based on knowledge and experiences. So a generally intelligent system will not just be able to respond to whatever it's been trained to respond to, but it'll be able to make plans for the future things that it'll be able to do based on the goals of whatever the system are, whatever the particular task or set of things it needs to accomplish. And of course, inherent with that is the ability to adapt. So third part of artificial general intelligence is usually the ability to adapt to changes as they happen in the ecosystem. So this is one definition of strong and strong as defined by broad. And there's a bunch of things that come with it, the ability to reason and solve puzzles, represent knowledge and so-called common sense, the ability to plan and adapt and tie all these things together into common goals. And we haven't been able to do that yet. So, you know, systems that can successfully do all these things we call strong because they're broad. Right. But some people say that this definition of strong AI as general intelligence is not actually even strong enough. And that just being able to perform tasks and communicate like a human is not enough to be classified as truly intelligent. 
So another definition of strong AI is defined as systems in which humans are unable to distinguish between a human and a machine. And that strong AI is defined by the ability to experience consciousness. So when people are commonly discussing this kind of strong AI, they usually bring up two tests of intelligence and consciousness. So the first test is the Turing test. And this is where you have a human and a machine and an interrogator, so three parties. And the interrogator needs to determine which one is the human and which one is the machine. And if the interrogator can't distinguish, then the machine passes the Turing test. The second test is the Chinese room, and this builds upon the Turing test. So it assumes that a machine has already been built and that it passes the Turing test and convinces a human Chinese speaker that the program is itself a live Chinese speaker. And this was introduced in 1980 by John Searle. So the question that Searle wants to answer is, does the machine literally understand Chinese or is it merely simulating the ability to understand Chinese? So to just generally recap his test, he places himself in a closed room with an English language book that has instructions. And people pass Chinese characters through a slot, which he reads the instructions in English and then provides output in Chinese characters, similar to what the machine would do in the Turing test to prove that it was indistinguishable. He believes that there's no essential difference between the roles of the computer and himself in this experiment because each simply follow a program with step-by-step -step instructions and produce a behavior that's deemed intelligent. However, he argues that it's not really intelligent because at the end of the day, he still doesn't understand Chinese, even though he's producing something that people interpret as intelligent. So he argues that the computer itself also doesn't understand Chinese. And then without understanding, he says that you can't say that a machine is thinking. And that you have to think in order to have a mind. So from Searle's perspective, a strong AI system must have understanding. Otherwise, it's just a less intelligent simulation. Yeah, and we could definitely, for those of you that are really interested in this topic of Searle and the Chinese room and the Turing test and all that, there is a lot of writing about this. It gets very philosophical very yeah. quickly. Well, John yeah. Searle was a philosopher. Exactly. So. And, and, and actually, this is really interesting. We found this very interesting about artificial intelligence in general, that one of the things that uniquely separates AI from other elements of computing, if you want to think that, is how much it overlaps with philosophy, whereas other computing is about the mechanics of getting systems to work and data and computing and storage and networking and all that sort of stuff. This is very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you find yourself really getting wrapped up into it. But we don't want to dive too deeply into the philosophy of this because we have to think about how this is going to be applicable to today. So one of the things that we want to continue on on this a little bit, you know, if John Searle basically says that you can only have strong systems that are truly understanding and truly conscious, he does believe you could still build systems like this. So yeah, there's a far end of strong AI systems where the AI is basically used to be able to explain how the mind works. You can use AI to explain how the mind works. And therefore, because you can build AI in a system, he says that the study of the brain is actually not relevant to the study of the mind. And furthermore, he says that you can use the Turing test is actually sufficient to explain, uh, establish the existence of mental states. So anyway, I think you know, now that we have all this clarity <laughs> about strong, if we get back to the definition of weak, you know, what is weak AI? Of course, you can say anything that isn't strong is weak. But this is not particularly helpful because we haven't been able to build anything so far that's really strong. So is everything that we've built so far weak? You know, is everything really weak? Well, things look pretty good. They may not be strong as defined by either of the two previous definitions, but they're pretty good. So let's toss out the term weak because it's not particularly useful. 
And instead, let's think about the terms narrow or applied. And what we mean by that is narrow as applied to a specific task. So can we take all the various things that AI can do if we apply it to a very specific task, and therefore this intelligence is really not meant or even able to be applied to other tasks, we can think about things like image recognition and voice recognition, conversational technology, recommendation engines, things that have some modeling of that. And, you know, I think pretty much all of our experiences to date have been with narrow and applied versions of, of AI. You know, a long time ago, what we thought was an intelligent was intelligent. So maybe we can... Yeah, which that. brings yeah. up another point that we're slowly creeping our way up the ladder of intelligence. So as technology continues to advance, people's definition of artificial intelligence also advances. And Take our children's generation, for example. They have grown up with Siri and Alexa, that they know that is their baseline and they no longer consider that intelligent. So now that to them, they want a system that can do more. And that's where it's interesting because I didn't grow up with that and Ron didn't grow up with that. So to us, that is artificial intelligence. But to our children, now that that's their base, that's no longer intelligent. So it's interesting. And with cars, for example, now we have cars that can self-park and that are self-driving. Just a few decades ago, people thought that cruise control was a high-end technology. <laughs> and now cruise control, if your car doesn't have cruise control, I mean, that's expected. Right. And now they have cruise control that can sense if your car is getting too close to another car and will slowly break so mm -hmm. that you don't have to. But again, our children, that's their baseline. So they don't consider that artificial intelligence. Right. They want something beyond that. Right. So as we say today, like even if you define something as weak AI now or strong AI now or weaker or stronger, that's just going to keep changing over time. Right. And so you could say, well, this technology is weak. Well, it's like, well, yeah, 30 years ago it was. And so right. I think from our perspective, you know, given all that, is it even useful to classify AI systems as strong or weak? And even when we use the terms narrow or applied or focused, it really doesn't give us any specificity to tell us just how intelligent a system is. Can you actually measure in some sort of concrete way a system's intelligence without using a generic or relative term like weak or strong? So when we say strong or broad or general, that doesn't say much either, especially because we have disagreement with how strong should the system be. Right. For some people, John Searle and the rest of the folks who think about consciousness, an AGI system is weak. Even though to many people, that's something we haven't been able to accomplish yet. Yeah. So strong and weak are relative terms. You know, just like dark and light, how light is light and how dark is dark, it doesn't really helpful. So you know, we think it's actually really better to define this sort of concept in terms of a spectrum, in particular a spectrum of maturity of how intelligent a system is against the sort of tasks and range of tasks that need to be done. So, for example, at one end of the spectrum, we can have AI that is so narrow and so focused in application to a single task and is really barely above what you can do with, like, straightforward programming. Right. You know, it's like, you know, it's like, does it even qualify as AI? Maybe it's like some very narrowly specific deep learning task. And I know Kathleen is like me saying you got the hot dog <laughs> versus not hot dog. If you've been watching Silicon Valley, that's barely AI. But anyway, and at the other end of the spectrum, the AI is so mature and so advanced that we've basically created a new kind of sentient being. We've basically created a species. So between these two, we have many degrees of intelligence and applicability, and that's why the terms weak and narrow and strong don't really mean anything. So our take is that, you know, we're producing research on this that provides more detail into what we're calling the Cognolitica's concept of the AI maturity spectrum. And this will basically help enterprise users and vendors know how we can apply this spectrum 
to various AI systems and implementations and the goals of why you'd want a system to be at a particular level of maturity with regards to AI versus other levels. Right. So building off that to the enterprise users and vendor listeners, we don't want you to get fixated on this terminology and we also don't want you to get lost in the philosophy. So understanding the history of AI and how we've gotten to this point is good to know, but also the vision of what people have in mind for the future of AI is good to know. So know how the boundary of maturity is evolving, as we've just talked about, and then figure out how your particular problem can be solved with what level of AI maturity. Not everybody needs a super intelligent system to solve some of the basic problems Mm -hmm. that they have. Exactly. Yeah. So what matters is how you're applying the technology and how it's evolving to meet new needs. At Cognolytica, we're not going to use the vague and non-hempful terms weak or strong to define AI system. But obviously, we're going to, to the extent that other people are using those terms, we're clearly going to be aware of them and know how they're being used and why they're being used, but we're not going to use them when we define AI systems. Right. And I think another reason why we're not going to use it is that most people consider what we have now weak at best. So one, we don't think that weak brings upon the right connotation of the word. And then also there's a lot that can be done with the systems that we currently have in place. Yeah. I was just (laughs) thinking about something comedic. It's like two podcasts ago or three podcasts ago, we're talking about, should we be scared of AI? And we're thinking about the bad actors and what they're doing. And we're like, Oh, look, these AI systems are launching nuclear missiles. But don't worry, they're weak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, it's a weak AI. Oh, yeah, that doesn't seem to matter, does it? <laughs> so, so it's like, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, it doesn't really matter. You can have something really strong and be useless. You can have something be really weak and be extremely be very useful and powerful. Yeah. So that's kind of why we don't think it matters. So, you know, at Cognitive, we're just not going to use these vague and non-helpful terms. You know, instead, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the capabilities of what these AI systems can do and map these capabilities across the spectrum of what we imagine AI can do, even things that we have not been able to do. And of course, we're going to keep track of how this boundary of what's imaginable becomes increasingly more possible. Right. All right, listeners. Well, thank you for joining us today. And as always, we'll post articles and concept discussed in the show notes. Yep. Thank you for joining us. And we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at cognolytica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolytica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright 2017 by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.